welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Liz Manischel. And I'm Ulrich Purcell. All right, this week we have Bart. I'm, I, I, we, we have trouble saying his name. So I'm just going to say Bart. Bartolomehej. Scoopian. Scoopian. Scoopian's easy. Bart, (laughs) I think. Bart is like so kind to let us butcher his name. Um, I know. He's a Poland based filmmaker, self taught. He's made three short films um, and he writes all of his work in English, but he'll talk about that on the show. Uh, Yeah. So he's, he's cool. We should, we should support Bart. Yeah, absolutely. I was really excited to have him on because um, we've never had anybody who, you know, is from uh, another country who didn't start in America. So we had one other guy who's like was based in France or something, but he was like an American who moved to France. So it's like, ah, that's not as interesting as somebody from from Poland who is you know, from there and speaks that language and English is our second language. I just think it was a really interesting opportunity to kind of learn how people make films in a different part of the world. And I love since Barr was our first foreign filmmaker in that way and also the only Polish filmmaker that either of us knew, we just had him represent all of Poland constantly in this recording. <laughs> right. Exactly. We we had him speak for Poland. Although what I've learned through this conversation, and then actually I have another a Polish friend who's an actor in Poland right now who I just spoke with this morning, that Bart Bart is not the average Polish filmmaker by at all. <laughs> like I think right. a lot of them actually, you know, make films in, in Polish and not in English. And, uh, you know, that's kind of more of an unusual thing. And from what my friend told me is like more of what they do for short films, but then like features, like it's all in Polish. Well, and this is only evidence from, you know, two people. So again, people. We are, <laughs> we're basing exactly. everything off of these two Polish guys. Right. And they seem exactly. lovely. And they're probably they very right. Lovely. But, yeah. you know, who knows? Yeah, it's funny. It was a really fun conversation. I mean, I, I got to the watch um, Bart's movies beforehand. And, uh, you know, one of them is available online now, um, The Black Room. And uh, it's really fun. It's really good. It's really... You know, I don't know. It's like I thought it was different. But then from talking to him, like he says that, you know, feedback he got from a lot of other film festival uh, programmers was that this is actually like a lot of other short films. Let me describe it to you. So basically, it's a man in a room and he you don't know what he's doing at first. He's in a room by himself and then he basically paints the room black. And then um, that's pretty much the gist of it. Very shot, very creatively. Uh, do you feel like you've seen shorts like this at film festivals? I mean, I've heard the Rolling Stones song Paint It Black, but that is the only <laughs> okay. reference here. Right. Well, I guess the better, more g- like general way to describe it would be like a, a non-dialogue based like only music and sound design film with one location and one character. I mean, that sounds great, actually. I love that simplicity. <laughs> okay. So okay. I I probably would enjoy this short. No, I've never seen anything like that. So I think You've never those seen programmers. Like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, those programmers were just giving someone a reason why they didn't program their film, is my my personal belief. But right, right, right. Who knows? Right. Who knows? Bart will succeed the more he puts out into the world. And we shouldn't rely on these gatekeepers who say stupid things. Yes, indeed. We're also going to discuss a topic provided by a supporter of the Alternate Seed and Spark campaign, which is extremely exciting. It's going to be our first one uh, in that series. We have, I think, at least five of these, if not more, which is really exciting. But before we get into that, Liz, I wanted to just hear what you've been up to, like what's going on with, with your life and you're working, you're, you're filmmaking, like what, what's happening with you? Well, we were just essentially greenlit to shoot a portion of principal photography of Lady Parts, my third feature in January. 
um, and I'm bringing on my partner Sean to co-direct with me. So those are two major, yeah, two major things. And Sean's a director in his own right, and he's so wonderful. But also, um, I I can't do it alone. (laughs) So I'm I'm lucky to have a partner who's capable of doing something like this and stepping in. So questions, multiple questions. So first off. Why uh, did you want a co-director? Was it just simply to like kind of, you know, take some of the weight off your shoulders? To be super, super honest, I was encouraged to bring on a co-director. Um, oh. I only, yeah, I only have a few By your days. producers? Not, well, not really, actually. <laughs> by by our writer. Super, oh, super really? interesting scenario, uh, which I probably shouldn't talk about on a public podcast. But uh, everyone is just very nervous. We have to shoot a, a portion of the film before our lead actress who on whom the story is based gets a surgery that will change her body she's getting reconstructive surgery that changes essentially you know her silhouette like what her body looks like so we only have a little bit of time and i work a full-time job so i have like four days i'm gonna give and steve our writer was very nervous that we wouldn't have enough time and just highly encouraged me to bring on someone to support me to come in for additional days if we need them so i don't know if we're gonna shoot more than four days but i've already asked sean to co-direct wow so like ultimately that's what we're doing now That's crazy. So then you say, okay, there's just so many different decisions happening here. Like first off, it's like the decision to make a, have a co-director and like dealing with that decision. And then the second big thing is asking your partner um, to co-direct with you. Where did that come from? Was that your idea or is that Sean's interest to do that? Or like, how did that come up? Well, Sean, a few months ago, Sean's a wonderful director. He's an actor. He's been in all of my movies and he, you know, I met him in film school and he's just a lot like less intense than I am. So he's not as like uh, anxiously ambitious as I am as a human. (laughs) And so like a few months ago, he he approached me. He's like, Liz, I really want to work on this movie with you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And I brought up the idea to the production team at the time. And the film's called Lady Parts. And I think there was maybe some hesitancy that, you know, to bring on. It's already written by a guy. So we always had this, like, hesitancy to bring on too many men in in department to lead roles. And then we kind of tabled that conversation. And then now that we're at a in a situation where time is really a premium, um, the idea of bringing Sean in came back up again. And I don't want to treat Sean like he's just like token, like he's just going to step in for me. Like he's a wonderful (laughs) director and he's going to bring his own vision into the film as well. And is he going to help you with a lot of the prep and the planning in in that as well? Like you're going to sort of plan it out together and do the whole thing as a team. I think so. That's our goal. I mean, we're, we're really good on set. And as long as I didn't write it, we're really good to work together. But when I write, <laughs> where I get very picky and cranky at oh, his wow. bad suggestions. Um, but when we work on someone else's work, all the suggestions are magically good. And I always want to listen to him. So have you guys co-directed before? We worked on a crowdfunding video together that was like a musical. So it was more than just, it was, you know, like it was like to the level of your crowning video, crowdfunding right. video arc. So um, right. we've co-directed that. And then we each directed for um, a TV show for a few years and worked on set together a lot where I directed him he directed me so we've worked together 
the majority of our relationship, but we've never co-directed a major project before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have the same thing. Whenever my wife tries to give me feedback that I request on my films, um, I do get very cranky. Yeah. And if it's not like, you know, the, the answer I want her to say, even if it's like, if I want her to say she doesn't like it, but I want her to say she doesn't like it in a certain way, but she says she doesn't like it in another way. It's like, that's no good either. Yes, (laughs) totally. This is exactly the problem. This is, you're saying the problem. I'm the worst, basically, is what I'm trying to say. I'm the worst too, but I also think, (laughs) you know, there's an intimacy you have with your partner that's really hard to translate to the person you need in an artistic endeavor. I think. Um, right. But it's a lot easier when it's not your material. Because when it's your material, you're so close to it that, like, you're, when your favorite person is criticizing it, you want them to say it um, in a really effective way. And sometimes that sensitivity is not there. I'm not criticizing right. your wife. Your wife is a goddess. No, no, no. Um, so. <laughs> well, no, it's just the thing where it's like we're just so sensitive. And uh, when you when it's coming from your partner, you know, all filters are, da- are off. Like, yes. you know, when someone else gives you feedback like you have filters of like not being a jerk about <laughs> how you take the feedback but when your your loved one who you're closest to gives you feedback there is no filter That's so totally it's true. just all raw emotion comes spewing out of your body and it can be quite painful and mean and uh, I don't like when I do that <laughs> but it's hard not to but I can see where it wouldn't be a problem if you didn't write it where like you're yeah. coming in it together from the same perspective and I think that that's already a good start for a better collaboration. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, Sean's been a stay-at-home dad for eight and a half months now. And oh, so wow. I think, like, he really would benefit from working on a project, like working on a large-scale project. And I'm really excited for him because he's been so supportive to me staying at home and taking care of Colin that I want him to have just a wonderful opportunity with this film as well. Nice. That's awesome. Um, Just really quickly. So how did you end up with a a male writer for this Lady Parts movie? Because, you know, I just assumed it was a female writer the whole time you told me, tell me about this thing. No, um, well, I was brought on to direct. Like, I didn't approach the content. The content approached me. And this writer, Steve Sears, was inspired by Devin Seidel, our lead actress's real-life story, and said, I'll write this as a screenplay, you know, and, and they came to some arrangement. And then um, Devin started building the team and she got a cinematographer first, Liz Yarwood, and then um, they approached me. And then we that, like, awesome. were in development for a year and now we're in pre-production. <laughs> but it has, um, has Devin... And are you been involved in the screenwriting at all as far as like giving notes to Steve and like kind of, you know, making sure it has an authentic uh, woman's voice? Okay. Steve has been taking all of Devin's notes, um, been really true to her emotional experience. And then we have a consulting producer on the film um, who's like really involved in the BRCA mutation world um, because our film is about BRCA, that the genetic mutation that causes um, a lot of instances of, of breast cancer. Um, and I believe also ovarian cancer, but I am not ah. an expert of this world. Um, and so people have been giving him notes from a medical perspective, from an emotional perspective, and he's been really thoughtful in taking all of those in. 
Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm also really curious about, um, you know, men writing women's stories because I plan on having, you know, the next movie I make be uh, with a female protagonist just because that's kind of how I wrote a lot of my short films. Like I think two out of um, or three out of the, the six or whatever. Oh, shit. Even more. Four out of the six have a female protagonist. So it's kind of funny that my feature didn't end up having a female protagonist. That was just kind of the way it turned out for this one. But um, it's something I, I really think about. And I like, as I write or as I begin to write stories featuring women, I want to like make sure that I'm doing the right thing and in involving, um, you know, a female perspective into my work, because I don't think that I don't want to just do it alone. I don't think I could do it alone. I think that's really thoughtful. And we talked about that a little bit when we talked to Anthony of um, How to Grow a Tiger Lily, right? And I personally believe that anyone can write whatever story they want. And then, yes, to collaborate with people from that community is like instrumental. And I've been writing women's stories forever and they've been doing a really good job. And we just need more opportunities (laughs) for women to write any story that they want. And and men don't always do the best job writing female stories. Stories. Sometimes they do. I mean, but I mean, you watch some stuff and like the words coming out of women's mouths, you're like, yep, woman didn't write that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and you never sure. really know. It's like, it could be like an exact producer being like, make right. her say this. You know, it's like, it's right, so hard right. to peel back That's the curtain. True. But I, I think a lot of the rhetoric of women in film is is women saying we should tell our own stories and we totally should i want women to tell our own stories but i don't think that we should take that power away from other storytellers if they have a great film to make that's all nice love it um so before we get into our conversation with bart let's just do the seed and spark topic really quick um this is from alexei samsonov from sunny owl pictures who supported the alternate with a generous contribution. And he got to, he picked the forecast, uh, the portal perk, which basically lets him pick a topic for us to discuss on the podcast. And um, the, basically the way this is going to work in the future. And for this one too, is just like, however detailed we think that we need to get with the topic is how long we'll give it. So if it's an amazing topic that like we think deserves a whole episode, we might do a whole episode on it. But if it's, you know, just something that is interesting, but like doesn't necessarily need to be delved into deeply, maybe we'll do a little, little bit less. So, um, Liz, do you want to read this, uh, this uh, topic? Sure. Okay. So Alexi would be interested to hear more about production design, namely how the indie directors and producers that don't have a lot of background in visual arts, elevate their projects, be it short films or features and make them more cinematic, not only by photography, but by creating distinct look slash style via the locations and costumes. Where do they search for production designers slash art directors for hire? How do they establish a creative process with them? Oof. Yeah. So Liz, do you want to go first? Sure. (laughs) Um, I mean, like, as a micro-budget filmmaker, you know, I put my call out that I need a production designer, and I see who comes, and I see who I jive with, and really, it's a personality thing, and I see if our tastes align. For me, it's always a personality thing, and I found my production designer for life in in Marcy Mout, and um, she's just, and she did Speed of Life, and she's now doing Lady Parts, and um, I found her through a friend of a friend, and I'm just trying to think of, you know, the idea of making things look cinematic is... I want I want my films to reflect reality a lot of the time. Um, so I'm not looking to create a whole nother world. I'm actually looking for a mirror to be put up to the culture that we've created in a script. So I think my 
belief is a little bit different than a traditional director's, but um, I just look for friends. I look for friends who are within mm. our budget and who love the script and who are not assholes. What, what about you, Alric? So for my first uh, short film, Strange Thing, I didn't even know I needed a production designer. I was like, I'm going to do it. That's what I have to do, right? I have to do the art because I can't afford anything. <laughs> and then I can't remember who it was, but somebody was like, you should really, for this, like you need to have a production designer. Like you can't do this by yourself like what are you gonna build a wall on your own no you, you need to find somebody so at first i went to these two guys that i worked with on uh, the francis ford coppola movie that i worked on called twix and signed them on and then they were in to do it they were gonna do it and everything and they had this great way they were gonna build the monster and all this stuff and then they bailed like two weeks before or something which was brutal and then i had to get recommendations so i found this wonderful woman jessica lampin who came on and worked with me and i'd probably be working with her over and over again but she is like too fancy <laughs> she works on the biggest stuff in the bay area and she's just not available you know um and out of my budget to be honest so i don't even really reach out to her because i just know that it's like i don't know it's not gonna work out <laughs> Um, and then since then I've worked with three others, um, who I've gotten along with and worked well with. So it's just kind of like finding the right person for the project who you think is going to be able to actually do it and who would be interested on taking on the challenge and not be offended for, <laughs> for you asking to work on your, their, your movie for no money and with like very little prep, you know? Um, but it's not only that. very similar. It's like, right. what do we have access right. to? But also like, we both have been really happy with the teammates that we found. Well, I don't want to be like Rob, probably going to listen to this, Rob um, Ryuta, who's going to be on the podcast if he hasn't been already to talk about um, the alternate and why, you know, him doing the art for this for our film. But uh, I worked with Rob on Brother, my my second short film, and we worked together really well. And he's got a really calm personality that I really like, you know, because I think like, you know, in our department, especially like having a calm leader in that department that can be so hectic and so crazy, I think is really valuable. So that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, we ended up working together also because he had done 11 films as a production designer. So like I knew he had like a lot of experience since, cause that, and that was all in the time that I had worked with him before. So he had like done, I think no features. And then <laughs> between my short and now he did 11. So I was like, this guy is hungry. He's killing it. He's making lots of movies. He's got tons of experience. Like, I think he's just the right person. Yeah. And, and a shared vision too. You know, I think that's important. Like I told him the idea for the movie and he liked it instantly. And he had his own ideas of like what it could mean. And he was totally on board with the, the theme and the thesis. So I think that stuff's also, of course, important as well. But it's hard, basically, to find the right production designer. It is. And also, I, I really want to reinforce that idea of taste where, you know, if, if a production designer comes to you and they have just kind of like an idea of they put together some images um, that have been inspired by the script. Uh, if that taste level is not your taste level, if it's just way out in left field compared to what you want to see up on screen, like trust those instincts. And ultimately, like Marcy has just the most fabulous taste in terms of just aesthetic. And I want to look at things that she puts together. They fit together seamlessly into a nice visual design. Um, so it can be as base level as like, do you like the carpet they picked out? <laughs> do you like, <laughs> you know, do you like the colors that they're working within? Is the color palette appealing? Like it, it could be like a very base level decision. Right. I think also like looking at the films they've worked on before, even if it's just a, a short or two and just looking at the props in the movie and the things that are obviously 
that they would have had to put there that didn't exist in real life, you know? So if it's like creating something as elaborate as a, as a portal or a, a time machine, for instance, you know, coming from my world, like that, you know, would be obviously a thing to look at. But, you know, also... Like if they have like a cop car in the movie, it's like that's all the responsibility to get the cop car and make it look good. So like, you know, how real things feel like in a in a in realizing that they would have had to have completely set this up for the movie. Like, I think those sort of things like help you to realize like, oh, is this a good person or not? And then as for the, you know, establishing a creative process with them, it's the same as any other collaborator. Just the same way that you, you know, set up a creative process with a cinematographer or an editor or, or a composer it's the same kind of thing with your um, production designer you just talk about the things that you like and just make sure that you guys are on the same page I would just meet with whoever you're considering first and have a conversation and then if you guys get along then that's that's a great place to start we did it <laughs> Liz has nothing else to add to this topic well yeah not really I mean like yeah um, I think I, I don't know it's like a, I want to give a highfalutin answer honestly but I just don't have one I mean the way that I found previous art directors is like art assistants have become my art directors on short films, like people who I met while they're like running around moving props from place to place or just like assisting the art department. And then me asking them if they ever wanted to production design their own thing and them saying yes. And then me inviting them to work on a movie for very little money. And and that's sort of how it's worked for, for everybody. Or just like, you know, one guy that I've worked with a bunch, uh, this wonderful guy, Johnny, like we worked on a movie together and we just had a good time chatting and hanging out while we made this movie you know, and he was a really cool guy and we just got along and it was like, yeah, well, well it's time to make uh, my next thing. I asked him if he wanted to be up on board and he was like, yeah, I'm available. But then he wasn't available or even interested to do uh, the alternate due to like his his day job. So then that's when I went back to Rob, who was a previous collaborator. So it's like there's all these people that you just kind of, you know, you work with and then like you just find the one who's the best fit for, for what you're trying to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Uh, Alexia, I hope that's helpful. Yeah, thank and thanks you. again for your generous contribution. You've helped make the movie happen, which I mean means so much to me. And yeah, um, you know, I hope you guys like these and they're not total boringsters sort of sections. Um, and that they're I like, am now using that expression. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> we could squeeze in an Irish review or we could just go to Bart. What do you think, Liz? Let's go to Bart. All right. Let's go to Bart. So this is our conversation with Bartolomejev Scoopian. Bartolomejev Scoopian. Bart, you can write me all the hate mail after this because I butchered your name, but thanks for being on the show. And yeah, here we go. This week, we are doing something that I don't think we've ever done before. We have actor, writer, producer, and director Bartolomi Scoopian uh, on the show. And he's all the way from Poland. Welcome, Bart. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Yay! Liz. Yay! <laughs> Yay. Yeah. This is your adoring crowd. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Where, where's the rest? Probably outside somewhere. <laughs> yeah, outside, exactly. They're shy. Let them in. No worries. <laughs> so we've had a, a European filmmaker on the show before, but he was, it wasn't fair. It was, it was kind of a jip because he was an American who had moved to, uh, I think, France and was making a movie um, over there somewhere or kind of across Europe. But um, it wasn't the same as having somebody who's actually from outside of the uh, United States on the show to talk about their filmmaking. So, uh, Bart, you're 
from Poland. Is that right? Right. Yeah, correct. And uh, yeah, I don't know anything about the Polish film filmmaking world, I guess, besides Roman Polanski, that uh, he's from Poland. That's and the Keith only thing I know. There's other. Keith see, Lasky I don't even know who that is. <laughs> he's I'm, a very I big don't deal. Know. Yeah, I just don't get it. <laughs> you know, there's I'm so all many into films. the sci fi. There's so many films, it's hard to know everybody, you know. So, oh, right, absolutely. But, uh, but before we get started, um, Bart, just give us your one minute bio, give us your background, how you got into filmmaking, and, and what you do for a living, and all that. All right, so maybe I'll start from the back actually. So, um, right now I'm a personal trainer for like a couple of years, maybe eight, but I started filmmaking from maybe 2010. Uh, just starting writing some ideas and scripts, but the first was terrible, kind of like this Final Destination 16 about killing wallet or something like that. So I stopped for a moment, you know, and then I maybe 2016, I came back and started writing more scripts and also a couple books, a couple like short novels. And, and it started like that, you know, then I started also painting. So I felt like all these uh, ideas I had in me or like some emotions, I had to let them go out somewhere. And that was like creative, anything, you know, paintings, writing, and then films. So after I finished my scripts, I, I thought like, yeah, maybe, you know, start to, to sh shoot one. And, and that was like the beginning of Black Room. And it was like in 2017. Wow, nice, man. And uh, did you go to school for filmmaking at all? Uh, no, I was considering that before university, you know, where I was trying to, I was thinking like where I should go, you know, which kind of, what kind of school. And I was watching films and I really like it. So I thought maybe going for, to, to be in director, just study for that. But the problem was I never had experience. I never had any work done before. And that was kind of like something you have to have to apply to the school. And also there was like knowledge of Polish filmmaking history, which I didn't have much because I mostly like the Americans' films. So kind of this, that actually blocked me for going anywhere to the university, you know. So then I figure out, you know, I will do it myself without school. Well, that's kind of my question. Like, you're Polish. Is America still cool? America was cool in the 80s for cinema internationally, right? Like, everyone liked Rambo. Do, do yeah. people in Poland, do they think, what do they think of American film? Can you represent all of Poland for us right now? Oh, it's going to be hard because I know a lot of, you know, people here who love the Polish films. Uh, I got a little bit different uh, approach to it. You know, somehow I feel like this American films are a little bit better, just, you know, in overall, in general. So, and and like English language sounds better for me. So that's why I figure, you know, it's, I somehow prefer them more. But do, when you um, talk about your films and how they're going to be in English, is there any sort of like, what's, is there any pushback or do people, or is that really normal? Or what is the culture like around that? Uh, about me uh, shooting in English? Yeah. 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 And your, in your affinity for American films. Mm, I don't know. For me, like people will sometimes ask me why you're shooting in English. Why not in Polish? Because you're in Poland. So it will, might be easier for you even writing in Polish. But like I said, it's like, this dialogues in English sounds better for me. <laughs> Maybe I like kind of like a music. So when I just, when I write the script, it's much easier for me to write it like that. I kind of can hear them in the movies and how it's going to be done. And, and I feel like, yeah, that's right. If I try to write in Polish, somehow it's like this dialogue sounds weird. So either I cannot write in Polish or maybe it's just, 
I don't know. It's meant to be. It's meant to be that you write yeah. it in English. I <laughs> get it. I just want to know if people hate America. That's what I want to know. Uh, no, no, no. I think that a lot of people <laughs> love America, you know. So <laughs> since since I was a kid, I wanted to go to States, you know. When I was playing sport basketball, so I was like considering like, yeah, I'm going to be next Michael Jordan. So <laughs> that was it. Because he is the G-O-A-T, right? We all agree that Michael Jordan is the GOAT. Yeah, on this podcast. Ulrich? Definitely. (laughs) Are you going to say LeBron? Because I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I like Michael Jordan. Yeah. That's all. I mean, (laughs) we can can move on. I just want to establish we're on the same page there. Yeah. When you said the goat, I wasn't sure what you meant. Like the go-to or the, the, you know. The greatest. The greatest. The greatest. Oh, I get it. The greatest of all time. Yes. Right. Yeah, I had to wake, I wake up at 3 a.m. to watch the game. So. Oh, wow. Oh, when I was in the middle school. So, yeah, definitely. That's loyalty. Yeah. So, um, did you ever try writing in Polish, or did that was that never something that you tried? Only r- what, what I write in Polish is books, you know, my short novels. This actually comes easier in Polish, but the screenplays, all I've wrote is in English. And, and is that just because you love American movies so much, or was it like, is that where it came from? Or was it because you thought that if you wrote in English, it would make your movies more commercial in some way? No, I don't think it's about this commercial thing, about like making it better because it's English. It's kind of like, for me, it just sounds better. And and that's actually it, you know. So when I was watching the films, maybe because I was growing and watching mostly this uh, Americans films and I heard this English language and I really like it even in the school, you know. So I figured, yeah, maybe, you know, just I started writing in English and, you know, I was learning some monologues from Tarantino, you know, all these TV series and, and the kind of that, that's it's in English. always Tarantino. I swear <laughs> to God, I cannot avoid this man. No, because he's that's got so dialogues funny. and monologues. So, yeah. But also there is also There's a one, lot of dialogue. Yeah. One I've learned from True Detective. So it's, it's not Tarantino. <laughs> well done. That's good. I, I could support that one, too. Yeah. So. so what were the kinds of movies you're watching when you were younger? Like, what were these American films that you're really inspired by? Oh, Jesus. You know, when I was younger, I actually watch a lot of this like Rambo, you know, Rocky, uh, a lot of this A-Team, uh, MacGyver, whatever there was on TV. We didn't have much channels, so I just I knew it. Yeah. Basically I called what it we had. beginning of the call. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but that was, that, you know, there's something in this 80s, 90s films when actually... I don't know. I love them sometimes better than the new films. Like they got something inside, like there's some story, there's like humanity in it. I don't know. They're, they're somehow like they're real, you know? Because it was really simple. It was like, I'm wronged. I'm going to do wrong to everyone else who's in my orbit. I am Rambo. I've seen every single Rambo film. <laughs> yeah. And I have uh, yeah, an obsession with Rocky. Um, Rambo First Blood <laughs> Part 3. Wait. Rambo 3 is like a fantastic comedy. Like, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen 3 in a long time. I want to rewatch 3. Yeah, yeah, we should do a screen. I've seen 1 over and over and over again. I love Rambo, the first Rambo. That's amazing. So, a couple things. Uh, Your English is very good. Uh, I want to just compliment you on your English. Does everyone in in Poland learn to speak English? Is this like normal or are you kind of more of an outlier? No, there's a lot of people speaking speaking English. Um, There's like, uh, there's a subject at school, especially uh, I think in the high school. So, so yeah, a lot of people speak, especially in the bigger cities like Warsaw, Krakow, definitely. Okay. And then I guess what I'm getting at is if you're going to be making movies in English in Poland, you're going to have to find actors that speak English 
And um, I've seen your film, uh, A Place to Be. Place to Be? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have all English dialogue in this movie with, like, I think four or five different actors. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wonder, like, was that a challenge to find that many actors who spoke English and could also act well at the same time? Yeah, probably it will be easier if this film's going to be in Polish, you know. So, uh, but because I'm I'm writing English, I had to find them. So that was was not an easy task, but somehow I found a great great, uh, cast. And we made it. So I'm really happy because of that. But how do you cast something as an independent filmmaker in Poland? Like in America, we have, well, and specifically Los Angeles, we have things like called mm-hmm. Now Casting or LA Casting or Breakdown Express through websites, yeah. right? Do you use the same kind of things? I mean, like we really, I feel like I'm flying b- blind here in this conversation with you. Educate us about all of Poland yet again. Oh, you know, I posted on the Facebook, there are some pages where, when actually there's for uh, nonprofit filmmakers or professional filmmakers so we post uh, ad about this like we're looking for some cast uh, we didn't put any price before it and we just said like okay well it's low budget and we're looking for some great talents with um, uh, English speaking talent talents and that's why we have found them on Facebook that's amazing that's yeah. really cool <laughs> yeah there's a couple of groups like that so that was the only only way to find it we also tried to to find some actors especially for 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 the older actors that's the problem to uh, to find them and we have found them uh, also that, that wasn't easy task but somehow we have found them <laughs> and you um, in terms of funding did you self-fund this project? yeah yeah I, I'm self-funding all of my projects yet because I tried to to especially with the with the first one uh, that wasn't that big so it cost maybe around uh, $2,500 and then for place to be, it costs around eight thousand. So I thought, okay, we first I thought it's gonna be around four thousand. So I, I made this campaign on Indiegogo, but the problem was we only get like two hundred dollars and only for the friend from the friends. So oh, wow. that's but crowdfunding's kind of thought of differently in Europe, right? I mean, I've I've heard that because you have granting organizations and your government actually invests in art that people don't turn to crowdfunding very often. I don't know about that, but when I hear like even on this podcast or anywhere else, like people collecting money and uh, and they can actually get some, some good money and make the film. Um, from what I've tried, I think we had a good campaign and uh, maybe that wasn't great, but I thought it's good we posted like, you know, my video and uh, like personal and we wrote and the story I think was good. So I thought it's going to be all right, but somehow only the friends added. And I think because, you know, we didn't have maybe or I didn't have much following anywhere uh, outside this like Facebook or my friends community. And uh, that was the problem to find somebody to invest that, you know, if you got bigger, maybe like in LA or, or in the States, you got a bigger, uh, more people who wants to invest some money or friends who can actually give you a couple bucks for a film and then you can you can make it so i was like fuck it you know i make it myself <laughs> wow wow and uh so how did you figure out how to raise the money when you didn't have it you just uh, you know went to your bank account and did yeah it? yeah taking loans and asking my my wow. family to help me if i cannot pay them and then i pay them back so it's kind of all the time i'm on the debt so wow, wow. <laughs> yeah it sounds like the life of a filmmaker uh, i put a lot of uh money out for my first short films yeah. on a credit card so yeah i know how that goes um crowdfunding is very difficult let me just say that 
And uh, I think anyone <laughs> who goes through it and doesn't get the result they want shouldn't feel that bad because even with all the planning in the world, it is still extremely challenging. But I think there's a lot uh, that you can do to ensure you have a better chance of reaching your goal through uh-huh. crowdfunding. But it all starts with your network and the people that you know and your ability to connect with those people. Yeah. Uh, so if a lot of people you know aren't on the internet, for instance, like that makes it really hard, you know, because like you can't just email them the link and then click on it, you know. And uh, if you don't know that many people or have that many email addresses that you've collected, then you, you're really kind of short because then you don't have a way that you can actually uh, get your campaign into people's hands, you know, because all the posting on Facebook, all the posting on Twitter, all the, all the posting on Instagram, that's all great and all, but it's really the personal connection that allows people to, you know, feel comfortable enough to support your film. And it's really hard to make that through anything but an email or a phone call or a text message even. You know, so those are mm-hmm. the kinds of things that I've been doing that's been helping is just like really making sure people understand uh, what I'm trying to do and see it. Because, you know, I think that you in your mind, when you put a crowdfunding campaign out, you think that everyone just sees it automatically. And it's like, yes, I work so hard. Everyone sees it. It's there. Yeah. But like, you know, I think the reality is like probably half or more of the people I know don't even know that I'm doing a crowdfunding campaign. And it's my job to like make sure that they know that it, it exists so they can support it if they want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, side, side, that was a sidebar about crowdfunding. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no you're problem. here. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm just, I have so many questions and I'm not exactly sure the best way to go about this, but um, <laughs> I, I think the main thing is like when, you, when you're going out and you're making these films, like what is your goal? Because like, is there a big audience for English speaking? films in Poland or like what are most of your peers making and what are the people around you showing and like what are you seeing as success stories in your community is it like people have like the really great Polish film that you know starts to get noticed all around the world and then that takes them into like the Polish film industry or is it literally people like moving from Poland to America to make films like what are kind of some of the people that you know who have had success in filmmaking like what how are they finding their way you know to their journey as a filmmaker i don't know <laughs> i don't know how they find their way uh, <laughs> <laughs> well i mean because like for, for i guess to give you an example like so for us like we see people who you know have movies that play at sundance or uh-huh. they'll meet an agent in los angeles and or or meet somebody and like strike a deal and suddenly they have like you know a film being made or you know they, they get a million views on youtube and then suddenly uh you know they have like a, a chance to like you know get their movie funded or something but is that all the same things that you're looking at in poland or are there different examples of success that you're you're seeing that you could model after i don't know how about them you know for for me it's it's more like you know because i'm i'm actually you know uh, shooting in english and my film's all of them, I guess, is gonna is gonna be in English. So I'm mostly looking for the worldwide audience. So I don't look just for Polish people. So I can put the subtitles, but because of English, you know, it's world worldwide language. So I still can be uh, everybody can can hear it and see it everywhere in the world. So maybe it's good for me because I write in English because also it allows me to to put it anywhere in the world and maybe show if there I if there I have any skills, maybe they will see something, you know. But I don't aim only for Polish market. I just feel like. You you know, I am like worldwide, try to make something was the best and everybody can enjoy it. So you're kind of 
uh, strategizing as you go along. Um, just a follow up to Ulrich's question: Like, is there another filmmaker whose career or pathway in Poland um, is there one that you're kind of mimicking or, or following, or, or a career no. that you admire? No, no, no. I I, I don't know any. So <laughs> this is so interesting. <laughs> yeah, I I don't, I don't follow like some Polish filmmakers so 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 much. So I don't know if they grow somewhere and they're in the states right now. Or of course there was like the Cold War, so it's big thing over over like after Oscars but and so that that's one, oh, one thing I, that yeah. movie was amazing sorry we forgot about him yeah Let's so, so go yeah. Poland <laughs> well done yeah, so, so this this actually is something when actually couldn't be noticed but if there is something like me starting somewhere I don't know if they uh, if I follow somebody's footsteps I just make it my own so I, I make my films send them to festivals and hope somebody will see it may like it and maybe they will see something in it and maybe they will hire me to direct or act or or write something I don't know if not I will still make some films <laughs> so you're basically doing the same sort of model that a filmmaker in America is doing where you're just making your films trying to get them seen by as many people as possible you're applying to all the same film festivals that we're applying to I yeah. imagine like American film festivals yeah. and you're just trying to get out and get your voice heard you're not going through channels in Europe that we, we aren't aware of you're just you know sending the movie out into the world and seeing what happens yeah, you know, I tried to send, especially like Blackroom, because Place to Be is still, uh, I send it to maybe three festivals. So Blackroom was sent to maybe 44 and uh, all Polish festivals uh, rejected me. And actually only when I get, it was, uh, when I get to was Orlando Film Festival and I think uh, Catskills in New York and one festival in Canada. So I think maybe that's the market for me, I guess, North America. And do you, because I'm on the rampage towards festivals right now, um, mm -hmm. have those just, I mean, obviously the validation of getting into these festivals is wonderful and valuable, but like what else did you get from that experience other than the laurel and feeling like you got picked? Oh, I went to Orlando last year just because, you know, I wasn't sure to go, but I was like, I don't know if I'll get to other, any other festivals. So I said like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm flying there and we'll see how it goes. And I met the great people over there, you know, meet new friends. There's also a pitching competition. So I'm also looking forward this year to, to pitch my future film. So we'll see what's happening because they give you some kind of money for shoot your future film, I guess. Uh, but I think there is something like you have to shoot it in Orlando. Uh, I don't know all the details, but it's some opportunity also for me to maybe make something uh, you know in the states we'll see okay i guess that's a good answer wow. <laughs> yeah no it's really interesting and so is the plan eventually to move to america to make films in america or are you happy to just keep on making films in poland but have them be in english and sort of work in their in your own style uh from poland no, if there's going to be a chance to stay legally in States, I will definitely do that. You know, that was that was my dream since I was a kid, even when I was doing a sport and, and even now as a filmmaker, uh, because uh, especially like you mentioned about this, uh, finding an actor, it's much easier in the States to find somebody who speaks English than in Poland and and still, you know, being a good actor. So definitely that will be much better there. I don't know about this, uh, all the money and how it works, because I think, Sometimes what I've heard on the on the podcast, it might look like you even have to 
spend more money to shoot some films there, especially like you have some permissions to shoot some places. I don't know how it's here right. because we, we shot yeah we shot on some locations, so we had agreement uh, with that places. I, I never shot on this like on the streets or some like you know main squares. So I don't know how it will work here. Probably will still need some permission for that and pay some money, but I think it's a little bit cheaper in the Poland to to shoot some film. But definitely considering actors and the market, definitely states will be much better and easier to to make it but still i think there's more filmmakers trying to, to make some films so maybe there's bigger, <laughs> big, bigger competition <laughs> right right well you're already competing against the same people because you're submitting to you know all the film festivals are in yeah. the world so it's not like your competition is going to really change much by moving oh, here yeah, really yeah. Oh, yeah. are you are you right. in these letters to festivals because sometimes you write a cover letter right are you saying I'm making this from Poland or are you are you identifying or branding yourself as an international filmmaker trying to break into this market? No, I never mentioned that. I don't want to be like treated like differently, better or worse. I just say like, you know, I submitted my film. I only done it for this year for Austin Film Festival because they, they required to, to write your address. So I put them so that was in Poland. But the problem was we sent a place to be with really, really rough cut. And so we didn't get it there. <laughs> That's a shame. I, I hate that. I hate it's filmmaker heartbreak each time we get a rejection letter. Yeah, but, there's, you know, there's uh, if you if you submit to this, the best festivals in the world, you know, there you're competing not only like with kind of people like me just starting, but you're also competing with this. Uh, actors like famous actors who wants to be directors so they got actually access to everything great actors you know background you know they got money they got equipment i'm not saying they got better stories but still they kind of a little bit they got more advantage than you i guess in the beginning especially wait you were talking about festivals what do you think are the best festivals in in the united states like what's your perspective of a quality festival here oh i I don't know i've heard like (laughs) there was some nice video because i submitted to i I tried to diversify all my uh, submissions so i was sending to these big festivals like sundance austin new orleans and then i was also sending to smaller and and try to like i said diversify uh, also different countries but uh, i i watched one uh, good video about uh, there was i don't remember the, the guy name but he said something like there is only like 12 festivals which are really important and they matters and everybody hoping like even if you get the smaller festivals that's still great you know because you got these connections and and you meet great people. Maybe you can start something too. But all this only kind of like these bigger festivals might open some doors. Maybe easier they they might open the doors easier for you if you will win something or you will get to these festivals. Kind of like Sundance and you know um, yeah, like I mentioned, Austin, Cannes. No, that makes a lot of sense. I love that you think uh, that your perspective is that New Orleans and Austin are high level festivals. I think they're really good festivals, but I would never put them in the same breath as Sundance. Oh. And so that's like fascinating. <laughs> to me no i just look who's got the oscar nomination and i was like okay <laughs> they, <laughs> they all got go. it you know so i was like yeah yeah yeah. so <laughs> i put them in the same maybe they're not the same you know but i mean like they're still big festivals so considering wh- when you're sending i think it's also good to diversify because even if you get to smaller festival it's still great especially when you're starting for for you like somebody appreciate your work and you can be discouraged if you don't get to like 20, 30 festivals because you will find your audience. And, and that's actually 
what I feel like I found some in some festivals and I appreciate they actually get me a chance to, to show my f- uh, film over there. And yeah, and I see a lot of rejections, but still, you know, I hear like when I show my film to right now only Black Room mostly, but if I show it to my friends, they really like it and they start digging into about what is about the story and everybody's got a different, they found a different meaning in the film. And I feel like that's strange. You really like it. And I only get to three festivals. Damn it. <laughs> I get it. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, it's not easy path for anybody, you know? Right. No, I mean, film festivals are extremely difficult to get into. And I think Liz, she's had extreme success in getting to film festivals compared to a lot of filmmakers, especially like myself and other filmmakers on the podcast. So like, you know, Austin, um, Atlanta, Nashville, mm-hmm. like all these festivals yeah, that Nashville Liz has too, played yeah. at, like they're like really big festivals, but to her, they, they don't seem that big because she's played them. I've really <laughs> realized that I'm like, I never realized how much of a pessimist I am until this podcast. Like, I thought I was an optimist, and then I hear things that come out of my mouth, and I'm like, oh my God, what has happened to me? Um, so it's nice yeah. to have like a cheery disposition of Ulrich to balance me out at these times. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, sure like there's only but the thing is there's only so many like top top tier film festivals right it's like there's like four or five like Uh sundance south by southwest tribeca and what else toronto um con yeah Yeah, all the international like one for Uh each country i would say (laughs) (laughs) right right um but i guess like what what i really want to know is where do you see this going with your career? So you're making these films, you're putting them into film festivals. You said you just put Black Room online, right? Like so people can watch that yeah, film yeah. now. Yeah, I, g- I gave you the link. Yeah. Yeah. Are you gonna do like an online strategy to try to get people to see that film and like get it written about in you know websites? I'm sure there's Polish uh, film. Uh, websites you could get it written about in like there's also all the American ones like is that something that you're focusing on or are you more like thinking about just making your next movie you know I, I might try but um, I don't know if, if I'll if anybody will, will try to I was thinking about the distribution too like all this um, what is this uh, Amazon Prime or, or Hulu if maybe I can try it there but I don't know if I didn't win any like big festivals i don't know if they might be interested in you know getting that so maybe i will do it or i will just leave it on vimeo and i will say like okay this is my link you can watch it here and and i put it on my instagram link so everybody can watch it and i will just leave it there and be focusing more on on pitching my or my feature film or maybe uh, maybe submitting my my feature film to some festivals for screen, screenplay competition you know i also got this film right. with, i also got this film we finished uh, shooting like last week uh, also short film uh, so I will, I will be editing soon. So probably I will make these three films. And after that, I'm focusing on the future film or writing new scripts too and sending them. So it's time to, to move forward for something bigger, you know? Right. And by the way, anyone can put, you can put your film on Amazon Prime whenever you want or Amazon uh, Transactional. Like you can do that tomorrow if you wanted to. Okay. Because it's just like a self-submitting uh, process. Mm-hmm. And I actually should do that for all my films. I, like I, my basic philosophy has sort of been like make a movie, put it out, out online like so people can see them and then use the traction you get from, you know, either views or from the film festivals that I played at to like try to get my, my feature film made. That was sort of the way. 
that I approached it. And I always feel like having your films out in the world is better than not having them out in the world, you know, so people can mm -hmm. see them and find you and discover you as a filmmaker. But I really should just put them on Amazon Prime. So like, because that's just one more way that they could find the movie versus Vimeo or YouTube or whatever. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, yeah, so I think I'll that's a it. good idea. But I, I'm <laughs> yeah. And I'm really excited to see what people think of Black Room because, you know, if you hadn't have told me um, that you were a, uh, you know, working in English and, you know, a Polish filmmaker, you know, writing in English, you would never know because there's no dialogue in that movie. <laughs> so it, it's like I, I'm actually kind of surprised that you didn't get into more film festivals um, because I thought it was really striking and really well done. Thank and you. I think for like, you know, the Polish market, I would imagine they would embrace something like that <laughs> because I felt like it was a really different sort of interesting story. And it wasn't necessarily like. You, you know whatever like all in english or more of an american style film or anything yeah and you see i get one one festival uh, actually didn't accept me and normally they say like okay we, we had a lot of submissions and we really like it but this year you didn't get it but we're looking for more of your work we're happy to see it and one festival actually sent me some information like we felt like your film is too similar to the others and i was like what the fuck <laughs> Is it so, just, wow. look, I, I believe that. I mean, I know that sounds insane and, the, and like content should not be evaluated based off of that, but them telling you that is actually an incredibly kind gesture. And I think instead of getting those mm -hmm. template emails where they say, like you were saying, record number of submissions each year. And thank yeah. you so much. The thoughtful process we went through, you know, like at least they're telling you why you didn't get programmed. Yeah. But I was just surprised, you know, uh, because I would like to see other films if they're really like similar to it, because of course they might be. I'm not saying that they're not. I was just like thinking like this is a little bit different film. So, so I was surprised they mentioned like like kind of like they get a lot of submission like it. And that was, that, that was my surprise. You know, I can understand they don't like it or or maybe they found it like there might, might be so many submissions like it somehow. But um, it was it, it was, was my film, a film called White Room, and mm -hmm. it. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say. <laughs> I thought you had the same film. Uh, no, that's no, so no, funny. no. So um, I had a question, Bart. Sure. Where? Because you because you act as well as direct. Like you were the star of Black Room, and also you have a big role in A Place to Be. Yep. So what came first? Was it your desire to act or your desire to direct and write? or like were you, were you just in your movie because you ha had no other actor to be in it or was that part of your your goal to like act and direct uh you know when i write scripts i just you know i, I write them and then when the story is finished i kind of see or maybe during the process i see some characters and of course there's a lot of of me in all the films and all the writing but when actually i see some characters i was like oh that's that's kind of like me you know in it and, and i feel like oh it might be good to, to to take a part in it so also it's always risky to be director and actor in the same film and because you you have to be really uh, even more uh, i don't know looking or on your mistakes more than than everybody else because you're gonna be judged more because you're director and actor so you still don't want to look stupid and be like oh i'm so great actor so everybody will love me so I'm always really watching on me, like with the, I don't know how to say it, but really try to make it the best uh, from my acting. And it started, you know, after writing, I always think about directing my work. 
And for example, if I'm going to the black room, uh, we were even looking for some actor because that was a suggestion from my uh, production assistant because she was scared that, you know, me trying to, to be an actor in my first film and act actually first time, she was really worried about it. And I said like, oh, okay, but this is like, this is me, you know, it's like, I don't have to even act. That's me. So I will just do it. I, I'm going to be me. And, and that's how it went. And the place to be, I, for a moment, I felt like, you know, I want to upgrade my acting skills. So maybe I'll try to be this photographer, Kevin, and maybe just have some challenge. But then I was like, you know, Tim is kind of like me. So why not, why to ruin film just to make it, you know, like I want to have a challenge. Like I can find a, somebody which is really good. And, and Peter who played Kevin is, is really good at it. And he actually looked like Kevin in my mind. So I felt like, okay, he's Kevin. So uh, I've, I'm feeling like, like I'm Tim. So it's easy, you know, easy choice to, to make. There's this great, I don't even know who said it, but um, it's probably, I mean, it's probably Bruce Stern, but he was talking about the movie Nebraska and they were saying that the direction he gave was like to do nothing and to just be (laughs) and I think I think that's very interesting you know it's like you're like I'm similar to this character and I'm just gonna let those characteristics that I have come out naturally as I play this role and I think very often we'll like overanalyze what it means to inhabit a character mm-hmm. um but you were just being so that's pretty cool yeah this uh, the the latest film we've we've shot actually does would you it's uh last week actually that was much harder for me because it's gonna be about this um uh, alabama's uh, man uh, who's actually killing somebody and he has to have a, a lot of rage uh, in himself from some reasons I don't want to say now. So that was a little bit different for me because the previous character was closer to, to me, like my, my way of thinking. So I didn't have to change that much, I think. But still, I, I, I tried to get into the character and think, feel, uh, think about his background, but still was a, lot, a big part of me there. And in this case, I have to, you know, change my acting. Actually, I, I had to be this, this guy from Alabama, this Tom Miller and from Berta, Alabama. <laughs> and, and yeah, so that was, that was much harder acting for me this Wait, time. Wait, can you do your accent right now or is it too, <laughs> too much pressure? Uh, you mean uh, Alabama's accent? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm trying, but it's not easy yet. So. <laughs> oh, I'm that more, wasn't bad. That wasn't uh, bad. I'm still working on it. Actually, this film is, it's, um, I, I don't have any dialogue there, but it's going to be monologue over. So uh, I'm working with one, one guy I met in the Krakow. He's from North Carolina, but his family is from uh, from Alabama. So he's helping me with the accents. I'm still working on it. But what I understand is my R is too hard yet. So <laughs> so I'm working especially on that. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear it, man. That's going to be awesome. It, it's kind of... Uh a trip to watch these movies uh, that you've made. Well, especially place to be where it's like, they're all speaking English, but you can tell that it's sort of got a different kind of flavor to it because you know, they're, you're all Europeans yeah. at the same time. So it's like kind of this weird blend. It's very different, which I, I really like. I really enjoy, you know. But is it weird? Is it weird for you to hear that, uh, like somebody from, from the out, uh, out of the States speaking that or is it okay or is cool? I think it's cool. I think it would help like to understand like the context, you know, a little bit. Like are you all like, you know, Europeans in Europe speaking English just because that's the style that you guys prefer or were you actually trying to replicate like being in America, you know, like uh-huh. what, cause I think having some kind of idea of what that, what the relationship to that is, I think would help the films, you uh-huh. know? 
Um, but I mean, maybe you were trying, was it, was it supposed to be like you, you were in America? Was that the idea with, uh, with place to be? Ah, oh, they're supposed to be like Luxembourg, uh, but we didn't put any, okay. yeah, we didn't put any, uh, name for the place. So it was, could be like anywhere in the Europe, especially like I knew the actors don't speak, uh, like they're, they're not like uh, natives. So I knew if we put anywhere in the Europe, it's still my work. But then I realized like all our names are more like from, from States. So I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, was, when American yeah. films do um, European content, we all just use British accents. So it doesn't okay. really matter, right? Exactly. I'm really curious about um, like what your plans are. You have Black Room that's that's out in the world. Place to Be is still doing its film festival run. You've got this third short film that you're also going to submit to film festivals. Definitely. But yeah. basically, if you don't um, do any kind of like let's say you don't win Sundance you don't get any big support from any big entity like what's your plan for your feature are you gonna just make it on your own and do it by yourself or what what are you thinking Uh, I might I probably will be writing scripts and sending to the festivals for for like script competition uh, and also try to to go for like pitching competition that's that's my goal if I want to find any producers I will try to hit this I think uh, this company actually who produced uh, this Cold War because they actually got it done really well, you know, so that might be good good way to kind of find some producers to produce some feature film, but I don't know how they will react for like uh, English uh, script, so we'll see. And uh, if not, I will try to, you know, raise money in two years or three years and try to go to States and, and make it, or I will call Alric and he will produce my film. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's the easy solution. <laughs> After alternate success, well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, well, do you think you'd make it in Poland if, like, let's say you you like you have to just start back from square one and and self fund the movie? Would you try to like make it for really cheap in Poland um, over time, or would you feel like no, no, like I want to go to America to make my first feature? Uh, I think it's gonna be too hard to make it here because I already got planned. Uh, I got three feature scripts uh, written. One is like you know already like some six draft and and two is on uh, at the first draft. So I want to push this this one which is almost polished and and work on that. Uh, it's a crime drama, so it's not uh, much special effects, so it won't be so so much money needed to make it but still you know because of the of the actors i want to make it kind of like jump on the bigger level so i already i'm actually set up this uh, this piece in new york like in 90s late 90s so i want to have it uh, made in the states you know oh okay i see and you think that's something that you could do for a pretty low budget or do you think you would need like a a good amount to to make that because i mean crime dramas yes they're less special effects than you know a science fiction movie but you know, you have to have guns and action sequences and, you know, you have to usually shoot in cities, which can be really expensive, you know, especially here. I don't know what it's like in Poland, but here, like trying to shoot in New York is really tough. And, you know, you really to have to go to places. <laughs> outskirts. <laughs> exactly. so, somewhere there, you know, uh, I, I, I know it's going to be not cheap, you know, but still, still, you know, um, I don't I don't think I can make it in Poland. I want this kind of look of New York, you know, kind of like this kind of like this look and atmosphere from and feeling from like seven uh, of Fincher, Fincher's film. Yeah, yeah. A little so, gritty, so kind of, but kind of, 
polish grittiness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like brown, black, gray, something like that. Dark rain and, and put it somewhere in New York, maybe. Maybe other cities, you know, but kind of, um, yeah. And I need this uh, American actors for that. So definitely. Well, let's do a, a call out to all American actors listening to this podcast. You got to contact Bart to be in this very cool New York crime drama and let's make it happen. Yeah, definitely. I got my picks for, for female lead and for how do you call, supporting actors. Yeah. Who, who's the lead? Are you allowed uh, to say? I, I think I, I've picked the Rachel Brosnahan. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, awards, tons of awards behind her, right? Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I always look for for the acting, and also I look for for the look. It's it's kind of just the beginning of it, and and just writing scripts somehow at the end. You know, I'm looking for what kind of faces they might have, and, and that's actually match. And I think this this supporting actor Emily Mead. I don't know if you know her. Oh uh, no. No, uh, who's what, that? Uh, what, do you know the Deuce a TV series? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, Laurie, I think she play, plays Laurie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's great. Yes, yeah, so I thought like you know, just kind of like what I'm thinking now about this too. So if they hear me, you know, they can call me. <laughs> exactly. And we're making a film. Why it can't be that yeah. easy? <laughs> yeah, I know. Why can't all the actors from the Deuce just be listening to this podcast and like want to work with us in our films? Oh, yeah, yeah, I just wish you know. <laughs> Maybe they listen. You know, we will see. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Well, Bart, I'm trying to think. We kind of ran through all the questions. Well, here, oh, I got one more. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of know the answer based off of what you said already. But if you were thinking about place to be and you like shot it in Polish instead of English, do you think that would have changed the meaning of the film? Or do you think like it would just not work at all if you tried to make it in Polish? I think I could sh shoot it in Polish, but it wouldn't work for me. So so that's... Oh, that, I that's see. It, yeah. it wouldn't be like what your vision is yeah, yeah. for it, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. <laughs> yeah, tell me, guys. Okay, so maybe you tell me about the alternate, alternate. How it's going now? Oh man, it's a it's a tough time. I mean, not a tough time. It's exci I should say it's an exciting time. Uh, we're we're in the middle <laughs> of our crowdfunding campaign right now, which is probably be over by the time this is released. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it's just like every day I'm sending emails to different people. I'm doing uh, lots of posting on Facebook and uh, Twitter uh, about the film. We're doing this thing where if you, uh, you know, contribute $25, we can put you in the portal, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've been spending a lot of time um, Photoshopping people into the portal for my movie. <laughs> cool. I did that for like three hours this morning. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, and I mean, and at the same time, we're also still like, you know, doing our fundraising. So I have a, a pitch meeting to go to after this. And then, um, you know, we're working on all of all the pre-productions so we're doing the shot listing with my cinematographer right now i just had a meeting with my visual effects supervisor we have to get like storyboards for all the visual effects sequences to him so he can start planning out how he's going to do the visual effects also with my special effects person because we're going to be doing we're going to be mixing visual effects and special effects mm -hmm. so there's just a lot happening right now a lot of moving pieces but it's hard not to put the most of my energy into the crowdfunding because it's the most immediate you know at the moment yeah. Um, but I still have a movie to like pre like you know make, so I should be doing a lot more of the pre production stuff. So it's just like a juggling act of like going back from crowdfunding to to pre production. So when are you going to shoot it? In December. Oh, so soon. All right. Yeah, very soon. So the, the crowdfunding ends. We'll have thirty days of of complete prep on the movie. So I'll have like 
that time to just focus only on getting the the movie made and nothing else. And by then, all the funding should be taken care of and done and locked in. Uh, so I should be like completely free just to focus on the creative part of things. Cool, man. I've watched, uh, like, like I mentioned, right now I'm only on the episode 100, so I know... At least been for oh, a wow. yeah yeah so i've just reached this and and so i'm really like 2017 now <laughs> so uh, so St- timothy, timothy is still there and Aww, uh, timothy's the best yeah but I, i've learned that he's not there anymore and i know liz is back actually not back but she started a couple couple episodes back so how you Liz, feel here i like the podcast oh, to, to make it i love it other than the fact that i've <laughs> seen myself through a microscope every time i hear myself on this podcast because I listen to them after we record and I'm like wow Liz and then I start seeing like you know when you hear your voice for the first time on an answering machine that's what's happening to me right now Um, but I like Ulrich but I think Timothy's the best (laughs) I just think we should celebrate we should celebrate Timothy for a second because he's just like the coolest and um, yeah. that's all yeah. he was yeah. great and he, he always asked the tough questions which um, I'm, I'm sometimes not the best at asking you know we'll get there but, uh, but yeah you know he's in a better place now you know? <laughs> you're making it seem like <laughs> we put him out to pasture like oh yeah, yeah we, we went to Bakersfield with him because that's what they told me right. they took my dog they took my dog to Bakersfield yeah. like no no oh, no really? my dog is dead Timothy is not dead <laughs> he is no, he's not dead no but he's fully retired from filmmaking and uh he is really enjoying his retirement let me just put it that way Ah, so so he finished completely filmmaking yeah yeah for now i mean he may come back but um you know i see him i try to see him once a month and just catch up and hang out and you know have dinner or lunch and uh yeah, every time I ask him, so what do you think, man? Are you going to come back, do some more filmmaking? And every time he says no, and he doesn't miss it. He doesn't, you know, he's not sad for leaving the podcast or anything. He really feels like he made the right decision. And, uh, you know, because people ask me all the time about Timothy. They're always asking, like, where's Timothy? What's going on with Timothy? And, you know, um, I just say, you know, he's uh, he's learning Japanese. You know? <laughs> he's reading books. He's, uh, you know, expanding his mind. It's really, it's great to hear that he's loving it, you know. Yeah, but, I think um, you wanted to move there or, or yeah, something like that. Think yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Lately, in 2017. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned that That's because... so funny. Yeah, you always said like you're looking for, for next film to, to just see your grow. And and I actually watched your films uh, just starting from like the, the Strange Thing and then going farther to, to Brother and the Rage. And you can see that, you know, so... Oh, thanks, man. Uh, I can see the, this, this Rage actually, it's kind of like, yeah, I really like it, you know. I also like this parts in the Strange Things, especially, I don't know if you like it. I don't remember if you mentioned like you don't like it, but I really like the opening shots in the Strange Thing. <laughs> Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, just coming through the window, and I was like, damn, that's good. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, really I do like really it. like that shot a lot. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's no. one, of my, one of the things I always put in my reel whenever I have the chance to make a reel. It's like, okay, check this out. <laughs> yeah, and the, the rage, how it was shot, and yeah, the story, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I like, really like it. You can see the grow, and I think uh, you you were saying you're looking for it, and you can see that. So that's actually something I actually I'm looking for because you want to be better than not worse every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, we gotta wrap this up here. Um, so, Liz, uh, any final questions and last things for Bart? No, wrapping up, wrapping up now because my <laughs> lunch hour is over. <laughs> yeah, you need to do something. <laughs> Thank you for anyone who's listening. Thank you, 
you, Bart, for being on the show. Come on, share with us where people can find you and your work. Uh, okay, so my work, probably you put it on, on your podcast. It's like on Vimeo, my first film. The second I cannot post it yet because on, it is on uh, actually on the uh, festival submissions. So maybe soon it's going to be there. And you, if you got any questions, you can find me on Instagram. It's B-A-R-T-L-O-M-I-E-J underscore S-K-U-P-I-E-N. There we go. Uh, you could find us on makingmoviesishard.com or you can find links to all the things we talked about. Um, you could email us, podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. Find us Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at M-M-I-H podcast. I'm Liz Manischel on Twitter and Ulrich. I'm Ulrich B on Twitter and Instagram. And please also follow The Alternate. It's at The Alternate Film on Facebook and Instagram. And we are at Alternate Film One on Twitter. So go check that out. Um, you'll probably be able to see all the behind the scenes of us making the movie as we're doing it right now. We're probably shooting at the moment. So uh, yeah, check that out. Who was the punk that took Alternate Film? Tw Twitter. I accidentally, I, th I thought I was going to be clever and put the age of my film as the age that the film actually is. <laughs> but then as soon as you put an age under 13, they ban your account. <laughs> so I got my account banned and then I had to make a new one. It's really so. funny. I think, well, at least it's not some like, you know, like really, great, like really offensive person. brand. Yeah. Okay. Leave an iTunes review. Leave a Stitcher review. Thanks, Bart. Thank you, guys. All right. So that was our conversation with Bart. Uh, thanks again, Bart, for being on the show. That was a really fun talk. And I think I learned a lot about how things in other parts of the world, maybe they're not that much different than they are here. Maybe it's kind of the same thing. I mean, he's applying to the same film festivals we're applying to. Um, you know, kind of doing the same process that we're doing. I mean, I don't know. I'd love to talk to other filmmakers from other parts of the world who, you know, just to continue this, this kind of exploration and see, is it, is it really the same or is it different in other places? All right. So thanks again for everyone listening and thanks to uh, Bart for being on the show. Uh, you know, we'll have all the links to Bart's website and everything on, um, you know, on the show notes. Uh, and of course to his film, uh, Black Room. You can check out our website at makingmoviesisheart.com where you can find links to things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesisheart.com or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MMIH Podcast. I am Ulrich B on Twitter and Instagram. And Liz is? I'm Liz Manichelle, wherever you are. And then before we go to the next thing, we should mention that we do have a Patreon page. So if you like this show and you want to help it keep going and you want us to maybe one day possibly do a live show, uh, join us on Patreon because uh, that's the way that we'll be able to make those things happen. I'm a backer. I was a backer yeah. before I was a co-host. It's how I got my way in. Yeah. So if you want to be a co-host <laughs> of the show, just back the Patreon and then you'll take over Liz's job. No, of course not. Just kidding. Um, no, really. I, think, I mean, if it's high enough, maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. No, Liz is irreplaceable unless she quits, which right. she never will. Right. Right. right? <laughs> um, yeah. So check that out. And uh, we, we shall be doing swag someday. Um, hopefully stickers first and maybe we'll work up to hats or T-shirts or I don't know, sweatbands or something um, at some point. And uh, and then, yeah, if you like the show, you can tell a friend, help us get the word out, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher and we'll read it on the show. Actually, we just got a new one in October. Oh my goodness, it's so exciting. So we'll read that one soon once we get through the, the backlog we have. And uh, yeah, thanks to Bart and thanks to Liz for a great episode. Thank you. All right, talk to you guys next week.